And this is quite the unique Sunday. Um, last week, we were able to see our highest attended Sunday, and of course this week we look and there's nobody else in the room but me and a few of our guys here that are recording. So kind of a crazy Sunday, but hey, thank you so much for jumping on this Facebook watch party. Uh, this week we had to make uh, some unique decisions and uh, decisions that a lot of churches were faced with. And so we moved all of our services online. So this is you and me, we're hanging out, we're having some fun. So I'm just gonna sit here and picture all of you that normally sit in the room. A lot of you are creatures of habit, so I can kind of picture faces sitting in the room and just being able to kind of think of you guys sitting here with me. So I feel you down deep, but hopefully you're at your house. Hopefully you're able to jump on and use some of the materials that we provided, watch some of the videos with your kids and just enjoy all that. Uh, some of the worship music, I encourage you, man, just be able just to praise God while you're at home this week. Um, it seems like everything is shut down. It seems like everything has come to a screeching halt. Sometimes God just knows when it's time to just allow us to take a breath and a break. And it seems like we are forced to do that. So. I encourage you this week, it's a unique, it's a weird week. I encourage you this week just to be able to slow down uh, as much as you possibly can and just be able to focus on him, especially today. Uh, Families, this is a chance, dad, where you get to be a pastor of your home. Mom, step up if dad's not around or whatever that might be. And uh, man, just talk to your kids about the Lord. Just spend some time with them and enjoy them. Um, If you're single, you know what, if the kids are out of the house, maybe get together with some other family, get together with some neighbors, some friends whatever you can do to, of course, enjoy that. A couple things just to tell you real fast in the front end of this. Um, We partner with a group, a university settlement, and uh, we just got word this morning that they are really struggling. That community is really, really struggling, and uh, they need all kinds of stuff. Uh, They're feeling the, the hit of this, especially with no school going on. They're really feeling the hit. Right now, many families are struggling with just the the essentials, canned foods, uh, just uh, non-perishable stuff, hygiene type stuff, deodorants, you name it. So uh, we are going to have a couple bins outside. Uh, Martin Hale's gonna bring those up later today or tomorrow morning. He's gonna put those outside. Anytime this week, if you can, swing by the church, drop those off. He's gonna be taking those up to University Settlement to be able to, to, to help to do our part. Um, it's kind of like, what does the church do during this time, you know? And we do what we know to do. And if we have a neighbor that's in need, if we have someone that's struggling, it's our duty. We need to step up and we need to be able to take care of them if we can. I know this week has been strange. It seems like uh, if you've been to a grocery store, if you've been to Target, if you've been to Walmart, um, you've seen empty shelves, you've seen uh, things getting cleared out. Uh, my wife went to Target on Wednesday uh, night and just kind of when all this was kind of hitting the fan, and she called me and said, this is a bit ominous, this is a bit strange, this is a bit weird. Just there was this sense of something was going on, but nobody could quite put their thumb on it. Almost kind of like that 9-11 type feel, or that Y2K feel. Um, This is one of those moments in history where we look at and we say, you know what, this is gonna be a difficult time, and we are gonna struggle a little bit, but we are gonna get through by the grace of God. So my question is this, you know, what does the church do? You know, what do we do during this time? Should we step back and not do anything? I know taking our services online was something that, you know, some were like, oh, we should meet, we should meet, and it was a difficult decision, but uh, we decided to do this just for precaution. Um, And we're still able to obviously connect and do all the things that churches are able to do except for gather truly together physically. But if you think about it, the one big thing that comes out is fear. 
Um, we have the Lord, right? The church has the Lord, we have the Lord. So if you have the Lord, technically fear should not be a factor. But we are human. At the end of the day, we are human. And fear is a human experience and it's not a sin to fear, but it's too many times our reactions are based on fear. And that's what uh, the problem is, of course. So there's all kinds of fear. There's FOMO, fear of missing out. A lot of us have that. A lot of us have that. There's something going on. There's a party happening somewhere. There's a social gathering I was not invited to. Uh, but right now, that's not really, right now, it's more of what? It's the F-O-R-O. It's FORO, I think is what you would call it. It's the fear of running out. Um, some of you in our church, I know you are hoarders, and you went and you bought all the toilet paper, and you have a whole room right now filled with it, and we're going to send everybody to your house when they have to use the restroom. It's what's going to happen. Um, but there's all kinds. I mean, you think about this fear um, of the unknown. That's a real fear. That's something that people definitely struggle with. Fear of the unknown is, is, is a difficult thing because there's so many factors that are involved. And right now, there's so many things that we do not know. You know, uh, how many people will pass away from this? How many people will struggle with this? How many people will have a problem with this? Uh, will our country, I don't know, a lot of you have looked at your 401k, a lot of you have looked at your bank accounts, um, and, and that's a struggle. I mean, that, that's a financial issue, and your finances is something, of course, that can really keep you up at night. So there's all kinds of things going on right now. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And I hope, I, there's a passage that God kind of put on my heart as I was studying this week, and I was I'm like, what do you even say during a time like this? You know, because it'd be, it's, it's easy when you say, okay, here's the problem, okay, here's the solution. There's all these solutions that we can bring to this. But when you don't know the true problem, it's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, so there's a passage that I was kind of looking at and just trying to, trying to work through and to see if we could bring any truth, uh, you know, from this passage into the, this present situation. And so we were able to uh, look at a few different things here. It comes from the book of John. So if you have your Bible at home, I encourage you to jump into the book of John. Uh, it will appear below me, uh, bottom third. It'll start popping up. The scripture will pop up. But we always encourage you to turn your Bible on or get your Bible out. I always got mine. It's a kind of a security blanket. Got to have the Bible. But John is an interesting book. A little bit of context about John. John is an interesting book because the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the other three are called the synoptic gospels, meaning the same kind of the same format. Um, they kind of track with Jesus from the very beginning, from early on. Uh, but John is interesting because John really jumps straight into it. John wants to make sure his audience knows who Jesus Christ truly is. And of course, today we are that audience as well. John goes into seven, it's kind of interesting, he goes into, he, he points out within his book, he points out seven different signs of Christ. I mean, basically miracles, but he calls them signs. And every time he, he shows one, he calls it a sign. And it's interesting, as signs are, are something that's very important, especially if you're on a highway, <laughs> if you're trying to find something, if you're trying to find a restroom that actually has toilet paper, um, if you're trying to find whatever it might be, a sign is very important. And John calls these miracle signs, because why? Because he's pointing to Jesus Christ being the Messiah. What Christ can do in our life, he's showing through these different signs. And so here's some of the signs, all right? So there's seven that we see, and seven is a unique number. Seven is the days of creation. It's, you know, it's seven is, you see this. It's one of those numbers that you see throughout scripture quite a bit. It's like the perfect number. Um, and of course, we see it 
with these signs. And so let's see the second sign that we see is the, uh, the healing of the royal official son. This was very important because this was one of those first times where somebody came up to Christ and said, hey, I believe that you can do this. And Jesus kind of reprimands the situation a little bit and kind of has something to say to this man. But then of course he goes ahead and heals the man's son. Uh, the third sign that we see in John's uh, book is just the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool. But says, I just, I think of this situation, I see Jesus just kind of creeping in and tiptoeing around and he picks this one gentleman and he looks at him and he, and he heals him. The man can walk, he was lame, he could walk. You know, and this was a sign of Jesus Christ's power, of course, over paralysis. You look at the feeding of the 5,000, you see that in John chapter 6. Um, that's an amazing situation. He took, you know, a few little biscuits and some fish and just multiplied them like crazy. You look at him walking on the water, he has power over nature, uh, healing the man born blind, and then of course the last one, raising of Lazarus from the dead. There's a common theme that you kind of start seeing through these, and Jesus could have stopped each one of these. Jesus could have interfered. Jesus could have done something to prevent the situation from taking place, but (laughs) he didn't. And this is unique to me because as you look through these signs of Christ, and as you look through the situation right now, you're gonna sit there and some of your prayers are what? Jesus, you should have done something about this. You could have stopped this. There is, this did not have to be spread. People did not have to pass away that have been infected by this, that have, been, that have had issues with this. And so, so often we as human beings, we, we want God to interact before he actually interacts, before he's actually involved in the situation, even though God is always involved, he's always there, he has the whole world in his hand. That's just the way it works, it's the way it is, this is God, but understand, God allows situations to play out. And now here we are with a situation where you're at home and I am here giving you a message of trying not to be fearful. It's just a strange thing. So you know, if you're tracking there, you obviously realize that I missed the first sign and you probably know the first sign, the very first miracle of Christ and that comes in the book of John chapter two. And most of you know, because you're good, you, you read your Bible, you know, you know what John chapter two is. The very first miracle, you know, you love Jesus, you love the Bible, you love scripture. So it's of course when Jesus turned the water into wine. It was a wedding situation, and this is where we see John chapter two, verse one. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. There's a lot going on here, and weddings are kind of a unique situation. We think of weddings and we think of a, a, a probably, what, a 30-minute ceremony that's kind of the going rate right now. When I get together with couples, a lot of times they ask me, you know, hey, you know, how long is this going to take? And typically I'll tell them, you know what, the ceremony, if you don't do anything at all, it's probably going to be like 20, 25 minutes. But if you add stuff, we can, man, we can bump it up to like 45 minutes. So it's kind of this unique thing that, you know, back then, if you told them that this wedding would be pretty much done in a half of a day, they would probably start laughing. Most weddings in this culture lasted an entire week. So there was a situation that arises during this wedding, during this week, that was definitely a problem. So it's interesting, as you see, the way that started out on the third day, the wedding took place. You know, through that week, there was a situation in the middle of that celebration. In the middle of that celebration, there is a big problem. And it was, of course, what? They ran out of something to drink. They ran out of the wine that they were drinking. 
And a lot of us would say, you know what, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but to them, it's like, this is an issue. I mean, this was so much of an issue that they actually had a law at this time. This was the groom's responsibility. And if, the, if this happened, the mother-in-law could actually sue the groom and the groom's family. Now, you talk about a weird way to start a wedding. You talk about a weird way to start out a, a marriage. You don't want to get sued from your mother-in-law. That's just not something that I would say is a good thing. And so this was a problem and in today's culture, like, oh no, that's not a big deal. But this was back then, this was a massive, massive problem. Well, who's there at the wedding that day? Jesus, his disciples show up. You know, Mary's there. We don't know exactly whose wedding this is. I'd like a little more detail, me personally. I'd like to be able to know exactly, you know, what this is all about. They're in this little town called Cana. It's about a little bit, let's see, or southwest of Galilee. So it's real close to Galilee. And so we see this kind of situation uh, arise and we see the problem that is there. And just like we have problems today, you know, we are running out of all kinds of stuff. You might be running out of energy. You might, during this situation, you know, people are just calling you nonstop trying to understand this. And you might be running out of energy to even explain this. You probably counseled so many people through this and talked so many people down from who knows what. I mean, we are running out of stuff all the time. And so in this situation that we see with Christ and with Mary being at this wedding and this problem arises, we kinda, I guess, can identify with them. And so then we see verse three, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now this is intriguing because Mary, what? She shows up, she's there, uh, Jesus comes in, she knows exactly who to go to. Um, this is kind of weird to me because it's, it's, you look at this interaction between Jesus and his mother, and I don't know exactly where they're at um, at this point, but he's an adult because he's started his ministry. He's already done his thing where he went to the desert and uh, he fasted for 40 days, and so his ministry has officially begun. So this is their, their the, the, it's kind of like this adult relationship now between Jesus and his mother. But Jesus is still his mother, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you never go past that, you know, mom stage. Like there's certain things where mom just gets a free pass no matter what because she's mom. And here Mary is like, there is a problem. This needs to be fixed. This is day three of this wedding. This needs to be fixed. There, there, there cannot be this embarrassment to start out this marriage. There, there, there's a problem. It needs corrected. She knew who to go to. She went to the one that could solve this issue. She went to the one that could give a solution. So often when we run out of stuff and when things, when we don't have energy, when we don't have any, like our faith is just at its wits. I mean, you just feel like it's about to break, right? We need to know that we can constantly go back to Jesus Christ. Just like Mary, who of course was Jesus's mother on this earth. You know, it's interesting, so often what do we do when we go and we bring things to Jesus Christ? It's almost like we are informing him, you know, of the situation, like he needs to be informed. No, it's like Mary was telling Jesus about this situation. She was informing him that there was no more wine, but she was, what, including him. So it wasn't necessarily to inform it to me. It was like she was doing something where she was bringing God on board. So often we go through stuff and we never take two seconds to even include God. And God's sitting there going, I created you. I love you. I want to do things for you. But you know what? You're not even including me. You're not even bringing me in on this. And so often what? We stress about our 401k and God's going, you know what? If you just sit back a little bit and you just look at the situation, include me in this. Why don't you do a little bit of praying over this? You know what? Then he can bring peace. But too often we don't have peace because we never include God in that. 
You know, if you go to that sign where Jesus Christ provided all that food for the multitudes of people where he fed the 5,000, it's a unique situation because when he fed the 5,000, he looks over at one of his disciples named Philip and he, and he says, hey, where are we gonna get all the food for this? And he's, he's asking him a simple question. And Jesus Christ in the back of his head knew where he was gonna get the food and he knew what he was gonna do. He knew the situation. He knew that people would show up. He knew that, hey, you know what? These people need fed. If they're gonna hear truth, they need fed. He knew that, but he looks over to his disciple and this is what he says. This is John 6, 6. He says this. He asks this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. What if our prayers were a little bit different? What if our prayers were not like, hey, God, by the way, let me remind you of this. Hey, last week was this, and it's still a problem. Can I go ahead and get that back on your calendar? Uh, your to-do list, obviously, you didn't write my problem down on your to-do list. Can you go ahead and get that back on your to-do list, Lord? You know, set that as a reminder if you don't mind. You know, tomorrow at 8 a.m., I need you to do what if we go, what if our prayers was, hey, hey, God, you already understand, you already know, so I'm just gonna talk to you about this. And you know what, your will be done, and always pray for your will to be done, but hey, you know what, here's my heart. And if you approach God in that way, you start gaining a true perspective of who you are versus who God is, and who really truly controls the situation. Because so often, what do we do? We think we control the situation. We think we're the ones that, that, that have a say-so. And God's going, man, if you would just include me in this. Yeah, inform me through your prayers, but then include me. And know that I'm the one that truly is holding this. So now we jump into Mary's response, right? We see this situation, or I'm sorry, Jesus' response. And we kind of see this interaction start to go back and forth. And so Mary comes up, says, hey, Jesus, by the way, there's no more wine. Here's the problem. This is what's going on. And then we have Jesus' response. And I don't, I don't encourage this. I do not encourage this. It's kind of a weird, and of course, in the culture, it just translates kind of funny, but it's, it's kind of a humorous statement. Verse four, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, woman, why do you involve me? And it's, that's no way to talk to your mother. It's like I said, it doesn't translate very well. But what he's saying is like, why are you bringing me into this situation? And he says this, he says, my hour has not yet come. And he's, eh. My hour has not yet come. What was his hour that he's responding to, that he's referring to? Of course, that's his hour on the cross. You know, that's the hour that he has to, what, save all mankind because he is God. He's 100% man, but he's 100% God. He's like, that is my moment. That is the moment. And that's what he's looking towards. He's looking towards his moment. It's like all these other things are going on, but you know what? He's looking towards that moment. It's kind of like us someday. You know what? We will be in heaven someday with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you got on your knees at some point, if you said those words, Jesus Christ, I love you. I need you. I need you to be a part of me. Guess what? <laughs> You're gonna be with them forever and ever and ever. And that's the moment we get to look to, right? That's, that's what you know, the future has for us. But understand there's all this other stuff going on. And when you go through these weird situations like epidemic, like worldwide epidemic, like we've had this before and I, and I mentioned this before is that our world has never really reacted in this way. And so you see these other epidemics that have kind of come and gone, but then you kind of see the way the world is shutting down and you know the stock market is all over the place and you're starting to hear terms like social distancing, like we've never had to do that before. You know, our governor is saying, you know what, groups of over 100, you know what, we do not want you to get together here for a little bit. What? You know, it, here's these things going on, but yet we still look towards the future. 
You know, and we're still looking towards what God has for us. But of course, we just can't turn a blind eye to what's going on here. And then Mary, I love this, Mary's response. She, she doesn't like say anything else to Jesus. There's no more interaction between the two of them. She just turns and she says this to the people that are around her, verse five. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> so Jesus didn't even agree to it. He, she informed him, she included him and said, you know what, it's, this is a situation, this is a problem. And she just made the assumption because Jesus did this over and over and over, I'm sure, what he came through. He did what he needed to do. Mary would bring something to him, his family, his friends. He would bring something to the Lord, bring something to Jesus Christ. And of course, every single time came through. Does it always happen the way, the exact way that we want it to? Of course not. You know, but God is the one that controls everything. This, this world is in his hands and that's so comforting, I don't know about you, but you know, just growing up, if you've had a good mother or father, you know, and it's like, it, you knew you had a good mother or father because they did not share with you all the struggles that were going on. They, didn't, they, don't, they don't share with you every time they feel like the checking account got a little too low. They didn't, they didn't share with you the times of situations like this and made you feel it. When you were a child, when you were growing up, you just got, you know what, I just can't wait to get outside and have fun. I just can't wait, and you had these, these ideas and these, this mindset. And that's what God is with us, right? He holds the whole, he holds everything. And when, when we hand that over, it's like we're truly going, okay, you are my heavenly father. You got this, you're in control. I'm gonna bring it to you. I'm gonna pour out my heart. But you know what? At the end of the day, <laughs> you got this. Oh man, there's nothing, it doesn't get better than that. That's the peace that you and I have when you put your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ. We get that, Right? It's a byproduct of what Jesus Christ did for us. That's how we get through this. And this is what many in our world do not have. And this is what, you think this through, why would God allow things to happen? Because that's a common question. I mean, it's over and over and over. Why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow bad things to take place? Because so often, you know, you look throughout history and bad things do happen and bad things do take place and God's going, I'm allowing this to play out so that you will look towards me. Because if everything was perfect, we would never look up to the heavens. We wouldn't do it. And so what happens so often as you look in these signs that John gives us, you know, every time God could have interacted. He could have gotten in the middle of it, but you know what? He said, you know what? I'm gonna allow this to play out because it's a broken world. He created it perfect Right, and then sin entered in, and it's broken. It will be redeemed. It will be redeemed someday, and that's what the hope that we have, and we cannot wait, because we get to live for eternity. But at this point in time, we have to, of course, live our life here. And so we see this, and we see this kind of back and forth, and this, this boldness, and this faith of Mary just moving forward and just doing what you know, she knows to do. And so you see in verse six, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So there's six of these things and they're massive and they're big and they're, they're, they're right there. Jesus looks over and he sees them and he says this, she has said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they will be filled, so they fill them to the brim. So he looks over, you see these massive jars and these big stone, like they were made for ceremonial washing, 20 to 30 gallons each. Why did John tell us about this? If you do the math, and so many have done the math, and you can do this yourself, but this would make literally a thousand bottles of wine. Like this is an insane amount of wine. 
They had way too much to drink. They had way more than they needed, right? That would have lasted that wedding many times over. You know, when you follow Christ, it's weird, but you know, it's like he, you want him to work in a certain way, you know, and then when he finally does and you invite him in and you want him to be a part of your situation and he starts moving, it snowballs. You know, when God starts doing things and you don't see it coming and there's blessings from all over the place. You know, they had extra. You know, you look at the feeding of the 5,000 that we just mentioned. At the end of it, man, they had baskets left over. Why? Because God is good. Right? Even in a crazy situation, no one has food. What does he do? He provides, and then there's extra. He goes to a wedding. They, do, they run out of stuff to drink, and what does he do? He creates it, provides it. Why? Because somebody invited him in to intercede. Way too often in our world, what do we do? We do not include God. We look towards our government. We blame our government. We blame everybody. We, I mean, the finger pointing is just insane. Can we stop that? Seriously? I mean, there's no point to that. It's ridiculous. How about we just step back and go, okay, this situation is what it is. Those that are in power are doing what they can do, but you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and put my faith, my trust in the Lord. That's what I'm gonna do. And so often we don't do that. He goes on, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servant, listen to this, this is, this is good, though the servant who had drawn the water knew, <laughs> they knew. Who knew? The servants knew. I love this about Jesus. He was always coming to the common man when he was born on this earth. Who were the first ones to find out? It were the shepherds. It was the blue-collar workers. It was the ones getting their hands dirty. Here are the servants, man. They're, get, they're catching on. The servants are like, oh, man, this is good stuff. This is crazy. You know, behind the scenes, it's beautiful. Jesus is revealing himself to other people, and we don't even know it. So often in this situation, you're like, this is so bad, these things are happening, and why, 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 why? And Jesus is going, you don't know what I'm doing behind the scenes. You don't understand what, what I'm working out that you have no clue about. And so often that's just us going, okay, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna put my trust in you, I'm gonna just go ahead and hand this over to you that you're working, because he is working. Can I get an amen? <laughs> At home, can you amen at something? Oh man, you can testify, you can raise your hands up, you can do what you need to. You can dance around if you're in your house if you really want to, but and then it goes on and says this. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone bring out, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. I mean, that's the world, right? The world brings out the, the cheap stuff, you know, like certain times and it's just the world. It's like, you know, there's so much for you, but it's the opposite with the Lord, Right? The Lord does it the other way around, which is such a beautiful thing here. He does stuff that we do not see and we do not get. So here's three things that I kind of can see from this, you know, and just kind of pulling out of this is number one, please don't have fear. My goodness. If Christians respond poorly during this time, that is a problem. And we're gonna do everything we can to, you know, be able to meet back here as quick as we can. But once again, we also wanna respect what those that are professionally saying, you know, how we can help and, you know, be a good citizen on our behalf to make sure that we're not spreading stuff like this. You know, but we're gonna do everything we can. But my, my hope is that you can just, the fears that you have right now, that you can hand those over. If you feel like you're gonna run out of something, if you feel like you're missing out on something, if you feel like, Whatever it is for you, those fears that are, that are <laughs> hand them over, I encourage you, just, I mean, I know that's so simple to say that, and that's such, it's almost cliche right now, 
But understand there is real fear that comes, especially when you add finances, when you add your health, when you add you don't the uncertainty, when you add the, the worldwide, I mean, there's so many things that can creep into our minds, that can keep us up at night. And God is constantly telling us, hand those over, hand them over, that anxiety handed over. Some of us have fear even, you know, we have anxiety and it doesn't even pertain to this. You know, it's a completely different situation. Maybe you needed that to this week. Maybe this is something that you needed. Uh, number two is simply this, is that, that, that God, please know that God is in control. God is in control. And I know if you have not put in your trust in Jesus Christ, this is gonna be a tough one for you because you feel like you're still in control. And so often we make decisions in our life, you know, and we say, you know what, I need to go here or there. I need to take this position or this job. I need to go ahead and move the family. And we have control of our life, but understand God has the world in his hand and nothing surprises him. He did not wake up on Thursday morning and went, oh my goodness, there's a state of emergency address. This is a worldwide epidemic. Nothing surprises God at all, nothing. So. Please know, if, if you've never really thought that through, if you've never gone down that road before, know that he does. He holds the world in his hands. He is in control. Third thing is simply this. God is good, and you've got to understand this. It, it says in Scripture very, very plainly that God works things out to his glory, to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God is, God is good, and there's times that... We don't feel that, and there's times that we struggle with that, and there's times that we see things happen, and situations like this where it, it's, it tests us a little bit. It makes us think a little bit. It makes us kind of wonder a little bit. Is God really good? Is he up there chuckling? Is he up there laughing? Is he up there you know, thinking through this and wanting us to, to struggle? And I'm telling you, he doesn't. He made the world perfect. His goal was to spend eternity with humanity, right? And once again, sin entered in the picture. God is good. He works things out to his glory. Understand it's his will. His will is perfect. And the fourth thing that I want you to see is just um, that he's not surprised once again. He knows. He understands. He sees you. He knows where you're at. And if you back up in this story, it's kind of like, how did they get to that wedding? You know, and there's this kind of this, if you go back to John chapter one, I love kind of going backwards. It's kind of like panning the camera back, you know, and kind of seeing, you know, the backstory. It's one of those prequel movies. It's like, how did they get there? If you look in John chapter one, you're gonna see, of course, he describes some stuff, but he, he starts calling his disciples. And he, and he calls a couple of disciples, but Nathaniel is one that he calls. And it's an intriguing situation because it plays into this. And he did in John chapter two with this wedding for Nathaniel, for these disciples that he called. But here's the situation, you ready? And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this and we'll kind of land this thing and you know, you can start, you can finish enjoying your, your Sunday afternoon, your waffles and everything else that you got going on there. But this is John chapter one, verse 43, and this is what it says. The next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda, Bethsaida, sorry. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this is his response, and this is classic, and this is, you know, kind of what he's famous for. All right, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, can anything good come from there? Unexpected, completely unexpected, right? And if you look at the law and the prophets, I mean, there's all these things that had to line up. And there's, you know, Philip's kind of one of those like numbers guys, right? And he's kind of, he's kind of thinking through this. And he's like, no, he's seriously, we think we figured it out. We think this is the one. 
And Nathaniel comes around the corner, he's like, man, Nazareth? I mean, this is like small town USA. This is like, you know, you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't even dream it. Like nothing, that's weird. Like why would, why would God send the, the Messiah through that town? You know, and that's what he's thinking. And God surprises us from, of course, even the town that he comes from. In verse 48, I'm um, sorry, verse 40, uh, 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, this, they're walking up, this is what he says to him. He said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So it shows his character a bit, right? It shows him like what's going on, kind of like who he is. And you gotta know this is a little bit creepy. If you start walking up to someone and says, starts saying who you are morally and who you are as a person, this is a little bit weird. And so he was creeped out a little bit and it goes on. Jesus answered, I'm sorry, verse 48. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. What's going on here? How do you even know who I am? And this is what he said. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He saw him coming. He saw him coming. This is what I'm telling you, man. He saw, he saw this coming. He sees you. He knows your stress. He knows your pressures. He knows your 401k. He knows your savings account, your check. He knows how much, every, he knows everything. Once again, he has the whole world sitting in his hands. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You're sitting at home right now and we're, you know, trying to get this thing worked out and figured out and on our end and, you know, but at the end of the day, do we believe this? You know, the church was at its finest moment probably in the first or second century. And it intrigues me when you look at the church. I've mentioned this before. The church went from persecution and martyrdom. Like if you're gonna say, I am a believer, I'm a part of the way, I am a Christian, a Christ follower, it's a very good chance that you could be killed for that. I mean, that was first, second century. I mean, that was intense, it was insane, it was crazy. Rome did not like Christianity because Rome was under a different religious system. Christianity threatened it. If you fast forward just a couple hundred years, what happens? Christianity now is now the official religion of Rome. What in the world happened? You know, what happened was there was famine and there was disease and there were issues and there were, there were different things that took place. And what happened to Christians, the Christ followers, the ones that were part of the way, the true way, the ones that had Jesus Christ in their heart, they saw compassion on their neighbor. They decided, you know what, we are gonna go help. Everybody else is running. Everybody else is stockpiling everything. Everybody else is going the other direction. Everybody else is moving. We're gonna stay put and we're gonna help those that are destitute. We're gonna help those that are struggling. We're gonna help those that are hungry. That was the church. That was the church. The church did that. Christians, true Christians did that. That's the finest moment. I encourage you during this time, you know, to think through all this stuff, to understand that God is good, to understand that God sees you, to understand that, yes, this happened, God allowed it, but I encourage you when you're praying to involve God in the things that you have going on. If fear is a part of your heart, I encourage you, please, please hand that over to him. I know this has been a strange week. I know this has been strange times, but my goodness, we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I'm gonna ask you, just as you're sitting there in your, maybe you're in your PJ still, maybe you're at your computer with the family, uh, maybe you put us up on the big screen, <laughs> I'm not sure how you did it, but I encourage you to think through this, but also to think through where you're at with the Lord. You know, this, these times are kind of crazy, right? The entire world's on fire, I mean, it's, it's nutty. 
but it, it just kind of points to the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back someday. Jesus Christ is gone to prepare a place for those that have put their trust in him. If Jesus Christ came back today, would you be with him? Or would you be left? I mean, that's something that every single human being has to answer while they're on this earth. And it comes, time, it comes down to a point in time in your life where you say, Jesus Christ, I need you as my savior. It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your grandmother, it's, it's no one else. It's between you and the Lord. So let me ask, dad, is that something that you've done? Mom, is that something you've done? Have your kids been able to get to that point where you've been able to have religious conversations with them and start them on that process and help them understand that? What about, what about your relatives? What about your, your, your friends? What about your family or your neighbors? Maybe this is a time we can all slow down and just say, you know what, I'm just gonna do everything I can spiritually at this moment because there's nothing else going on. Literally, no masters, no t-ball, no baseball, no, nothing, there's nothing going on, right? So how about we as a church decide, you know what, I'm gonna have these conversations and I'm gonna take this time to, you know what, do more with this. Maybe God, maybe, this is insane, but maybe God's like, you know what, I just need everybody to slow down and I need my church to slow down so that we can just get back to having good old-fashioned conversations and phone calls, right? Maybe we can just enjoy each other a little bit more. But I encourage you at the end of this, just, man, just hand over what you need to. Do what you need to with the Lord. Allow this to be a spiritual break along with every other break that you have right now. I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then we'll close out this message and then you can get back to all the things you got going on. God, we love you. And Lord, yeah, I'm preaching to a room with not too many people in it right now. But Lord, there's a lot of people out there, Lord, and they, um, I pray that you do some good things with these words. Lord, help us to understand that, that your word is your word, Lord. And you've told us different things and you've given us different signs within scripture and you've allowed us to see that all these signs point to you being the Messiah, point to you being the one that cares about us, that you're the one that created this world, that you're the one that has the whole world in your hand, Lord. And I pray that we can believe that. I pray that we can trust that. I pray that we can just step back and just put you back in the right place and, and just slow ourselves down to where we can have some good conversations. Lord, and if anxiety is overwhelming any of us, Lord, in our church, outside of our church, Lord, allow us to have the conversations. Allow us to involve you. Allow us to bring you in on the situation, Lord. You want our involvement. You, you desire our involvement. Lord, a lot of times you're, you're, you're just waiting for it. And Lord, my prayer is that we would do our part by going to you and asking, Lord, for that peace, asking for what we need. But Lord, I, I, I thank you this morning, Lord, for your grace and your goodness, Lord. And we know that you're gonna work things out and we know things are gonna get figured out and we understand that, Lord. I just pray that you can give us some peace through this entire thing. We love you, Jesus, and I pray these things in your name, amen.